chapter 4, we're going to go to this morning, man, a couple days ago, God laid this on my heart, woke up early this morning, began to put it together, try to tie down all my, all my loose thoughts, man. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I want to say thank you to each of you that were there yesterday um, for helping us out, really appreciate it, we made a lot of good solid, con- we had a lot of good solid conversations with good folks, and got to know some new people that I hadn't met before, and reestablished some communications that I hadn't had, I hadn't reached out to in a long time, and so I'm thankful for that, Thunder on the Street was a great success, yesterday was a great success. I believe that uh, we're going to start seeing some fruit from the labor that we're putting into this thing. Amen. And I know you're going to hear me say this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do my best to say this every, every Sunday, but that is to encourage you to grab at least five cards every Sunday. Take them with you and uh, try to give those five cards out each week between Sunday to Sunday. Amen. And, and let's watch God do bless the effort that we put out there. Man, you can give them to people, you can talk to people one-on-one, or you can put them on bulletin boards, whatever whatever you feel the most comfortable doing. But I can tell you, every effort, no matter how small it is, God watches and he knows and he sees what you're doing to enhance the kingdom of God. Amen. Praise God. It's not about us growing a church in numbers, but it is about us seeing more people establish a relationship with God. Amen. Praise God. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 through verse 10. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Amen. I am going to endeavor to just deliver what's on my heart today. I hope I don't intend to be very long. I know the last few services I've I've been long-winded, amen. But I, if you'll respond to the Holy Ghost, when the Holy Ghost begins to move today, amen. I I won't have to continue pressing on. But I I feel like God wants to bring revelation to this place today, in in not just one or two of our lives, but I want to say all of us here today, under the sound of my voice. And uh, I, I pray that this morning, that once you hear the word of God go forth, that you get a hold of what God's saying today, and that you would help, and, and, and that you would pray it into your spirit this morning. Can we ask the Lord to help us today? Lord, I love you. My God, I thank you for your grace and mercy this morning. God, I thank you for the privilege that we have in this house to seek your face anew and afresh. 
And God, I'm asking you today, Lord, that you would let the anointing of heaven rest in this place. Anoint my lips, anoint my mind, that I will only say the, only, the things that you want to be said today. God, help us all to be receptive to your word this morning. God, not to just be hearers only, but doers also of the word of God. We exalt you in this place. We thank you for it. Can we give him a hand clap of praise this morning? I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. You're worthy to be praised. You're worthy to be praised. Praise God. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Amen. I am thankful today for the promises of God. His word is filled with his promises from front to back. Not to mention the times of prayer that I have been in with the Lord and that he speaks to me and he tells me things that he wants to perform in my life and to work in our situation. And, and I hold to those. Some of them I have not yet seen come to pass, Sister Reen, but I do know that God, when he says it, it's going to happen. Amen. Praise God. Today, I, I'm going to title my message today, From Victim to Victor. From Victim to Victor. I want to address something that I, I believe is so strongly rooted in every church. The enemy does his best to do his, does his best to to discourage and to cause people to become sidetracked on situation and upon what they perceive as their situation. All of us have moments of feeling defeated. All of us have moments of feeling victimized. Stress, stressing today that we must, we must you guys are going to think I'm, I'm kooky this morning, but just bear with me for a minute. We must get a hold of those feelings of victimization. We must get a hold of those feelings of defeat. And we've got to address them. Because if we allow them to linger in our hearts and in our minds, what's going to happen is over time, any time that we find ourselves in a low spot, we're going to reach back and we're going to get those feelings and we're going to bring them back to the surface. And we're going to dwell on them. And you're going to end up in a situation where you are focused upon situations and no longer sit focused upon the God that can handle the situation. I, I am here to tell you this morning, and, and I'm going to start out fairly Fairly straight, straightforward, and 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 don't don't uh, don't don't judge the rest of this message by what I'm about to say right now. But I want you to understand that there is this thing that it plagues the minds of not just Christians, but it plagues everyone's minds, and that is this mentality of being a victim. Let me tell you, the greatest enemy of our hearts and our minds today in the church is. The whole woe is me situation. Yes, we've got to be humble. But you also have to understand that I know who my father is. 
And I know who's in control of my life, Brother Tuffy. And I don't have to, to, to fall under the weight of everything is against me. And I don't have any hope because I'm here to tell you this morning, this book right here is full of hope. From cover to cover, you're going to find that God is reaching out to his people and saying, hey, there's hope for you. There's strength for you. There's power that I want to extend to you. But you've got to seek after me. It's important that we address the feelings of victimization and defeat, amen, that comes up in our lives. And, and I know that the devil likes to play our hearts and minds and say, hey, what, what would happen, if, what would, where would you be today if you just went back and you looked over your life and, and you didn't make those decisions? Well, that's great thought sometimes, but what are you going to do about it? You can't do anything about it. You can't go back and change it. If God tells you you need to make restitution, then you need to make restitution and move on with life. But if you can't make restitution, you're going to have to trust that the blood of Jesus has covered everything. Well, come on. Is anybody here this morning? I know Brother Tuffy's here. But Jesus wants us to take comfort in the fact that he has all power in heaven and in earth. That's why we baptize in his name. That's why we do all these things in his name. Whatsoever thou doest, do all in the name of Jesus. Do it all in his name. Why do we do these things? When I look back over my life, yeah, I made some bad decisions, Sister Rini. Yes, I, I, I did some dumb things in my walk with God. But you know what? Thank God he is merciful. Thank God that he still extends hope. Thank God that when I fall, step into the muck and the mire, sometimes knowingly, knowing that I'm going to get stuck, amen, but I look up to heaven and I say, Lord, help me. Just like Peter did when he fell, when he stepped out of the boat into the waters and, and, and uh, he, he's looking at Jesus. Jesus even told him to come on out there. But what happened when he took his eyes off of the Lord? He meant he began to sink in the waves. And when he realized his situation was too overwhelming for him, he cried back out to Jesus and said, Lord, save me. And Jesus reached down and grabbed his hand and pulled him up out of the waves. And the next thing he knew, he was back on the boat. Amen. Let me tell you something. We've got to learn how to, to trust in Jesus. And we've got to learn to keep our eyes upon the master. Amen. If we get our eyes off of him, we begin to focus on things in life. Let me tell you, you will become overwhelmed with what's going on around you. But let me tell you, when you put your heart and your hope in Jesus, everything else comes all out okay. Amen. Because that's the God that I serve. Hallelujah. It's not his will that you are stressed out. It's not his will that you are defeated. It's not your, his will that you are a victim of your circumstance. Amen. But God wants to reach down and help every single child of God and every single sinner if they will turn their eyes upon Jesus. As the old song said, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his beautiful, wonderful face. Amen. Because there's hope there. There's strength there. There's power there. 
Amen. Praise God. Amen. I began, I began this morning thinking about this whole idea. Amen. And I can tell you, if we, if we stay focused on situation, we will be overwhelmed. I cannot stress that enough. But let me tell you, that's why we go to the Lord in prayer. That's why we go to the Lord in prayer. Philippians 4 and 6 tells me, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And guess what happens? Verse number 7, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 in, in the NIV says it this way. Do not be anxious about anything. That word anxious is, is, is a very popular word in this day and age that we live in. Amen. Everybody's got anxiety. Everybody's got anxiety. Diagnosed or not, everybody's dealing with situations. But the Bible commands us don't be anxious for anything. Oh, I got to be good. Anxiety is a real thing. I'm not trying to make light of that. But let me tell you something. It is spiritual. And it must be dealt with in a spiritual manner. I'm, I said it last week, but I'm sick and tired of prescription drugs be, becoming the, the God of, our, of, of the church and even the God of, of, of people in general. Amen. Everybody turns to these head meds before they'll turn to an altar and ask God to help them. I'm sorry, this is how I feel. But I just want you to understand the same God that helped those in the, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament and, and in the olden days that we always talk about how powerful my God, uh, God was and how powerful the services were. Well, let me tell you something. When people we talked about this morning, Brother Tuffy, about our prayer, amen, the people back then didn't have doctors or medication to turn to. All they had was faith in God. And they would go to the Lord in prayer and say, God, I got this situation. I need you to step into it and I need you to help me. People, people speculate, why, why is it such a hard thing for a, a, a rich man to make it into heaven? Well, it's really very simple to be honest with you because... How much does a rich man have need for anything? I've watched people throughout the ages, throughout my 37 years, 36, I don't know how old I am right now. I'm not yet 40. No, I'm 37. But as I go, as I've grown, I've watched a shift, not just in my home church, but in, in the church worldwide where it's not, a, I'm talking about rich folks, right? It's hard for them to make it into the kingdom of God because they ha hardly have any need for anything. And, and, and it's hard to grow your faith when you don't have any hardship. And that is a fact, but that's not the only reason. It's not impossible for a rich man, but it's, 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 it's hard for them. Jesus said, how hardly shall a rich man enter into the kingdom of God? It would be easier for the, the camel to go through the eye of a needle 
than for a rich man to make it to heaven. All I'm saying is I've watched as God begins to bless people in the church. And they begin to grow financially and they begin to grow um, in, in authority wherever they may be. And they begin to begin to see great things happen. And, and, they, and, and for some reason, Brother Mendez, all of a sudden, the next thing you know, they're not praying like they used to. They're not attending church like they used to. There's something about the mentality of, hey, I don't need God as much as I used to. So I'm, I'm not going to talk to him as much as I used to. But the opposite should be the truth. As every day goes by, you should have a growing desire to talk to him more and more and more and more. Nothing in this world should take his place. Hallelujah. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I came across something this morning, and uh, I, I want to read this to you very quickly. I meant I should have put it in my notes, and I didn't. Um, amen. No, it's not there. Praise God. Bear with me just a moment. There, there was, a, I came across a study of psychology that, and, and you got to be careful when you start delving into the world of psychology because uh, a lot of times I've watched um, as psychologists step out of the realm of psychology and step into the realm of spirituality. And they, they try to explain things away psychologically. And uh, you can't do that. Amen. I, I don't have time right now to go through all of that. But I, I want you to consider something with me this morning. Uh, one of the studies that they put together, <clears throat> as I was reading through it, it said, uh, I was searching on... Um, psychology, and, and I said that already, but I, w I want you to listen to what I found, and this is not just a single study, this is a multiple batch of research, um, that there is a growing body of research suggesting that gratitude can help alleviate symptoms of anxiety and depression. As you've noted, and, and I, I put some notes in here, the idea is that cultivating gratitude, which activates the reward centers in the brain might help to reduce the activation in parts of the brain associated with anxiety and fear. There are two key areas of the brain that are involved in this process. Now there's the thing called the amygdala. This is the area of your brain which is primarily responsible for processing emotions, especially those related to fear and anxiety. Then there's the prefrontal cortex where positive emotions like gratitude are often processed. This area is also responsible for decision-making, planning, and other complex cognitive behavior. When you, are ex when you experience gratitude, certain parts of your brain begin to light up as they do the studies, particularly the prefrontal cortex. At the same time, there is evidence in these studies 
that practicing gratitude can help reduce the activity of the amygdala. Now remember, the amygdala is where fear is processed. And so what they're saying is that here at the end, the takeaway in generality is regular practice of gratitude can indeed help manage and even reduce anxiety levels. Well, thank God for science finding this out, but, you know, the scripture already told me. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now, he didn't say why we need to give thanks other than that this is the will of God. But God created us. Don't you think he already knew how our minds worked? And then we have the scripture we read just a few moments ago, uh, and the peace of God, uh, which, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. But he said, do not be anxious for anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, <laughs> present your request to God. I just think it's so beautiful how that Jesus and how, how that God throughout history has begun to reveal the things in the word of God as truths. And, and let me tell you something. As we begin to step out of the realm of saying, hey, I got this. I'm going to fix this situation. And we begin to move into the realm of, hey, God, I'm leaving these situations in your hands. And I'm going to allow you to take control. And I'm just going to be thankful for what I have today. Even if I don't understand why I'm going through situations, I may be a victim of circumstance. But I'm not going to have a big victim mentality that says that the whole world's against me. Because my hope is not in this world. My hope is not even in me, but my hope is in Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Bear with me just for a moment more. Amen. The, uh, the definition of a victim mentality is, is simply this. Um, the victim mentality is a pervasive way of thinking where individuals consistently view themselves as the victims of circumstances the actions of others, or their own emotions and thoughts. The mindset is characterized by a constant sense of power, powerlessness, a feeling of being targeted, or the belief that one is at the mercy of external forces. Amen. Exodus, uh, amen, if we, if we could do a whole study, we could actually go into Exodus and begin to think about the Israelites uh, and the situation in which they found themselves. Uh, you can go back to Joseph, uh, and uh, as Brother Mendes talked about this morning during Sunday school, he was a victim of circumstance. Uh, he could have taken a, a back seat and said, hey, I don't like where I'm at today. I don't like what's going on today, amen, but he didn't know that God was allowing him to go through certain things so that he could be at a specific place to not just save his family but to save hundreds of thousands yea even millions of people he met over a period of time God knows what you need to go through my friend to be able to set you in the right place for the right time for the right thing God knows how to do it hallelujah it wasn't fun it wasn't fair <laughs> that's a big deal anymore well, it's not fair. You're not being fair to me. Brother Mendez had a situation. <laughs> I'm not going to get into that. But young man, young man thought 
he, he should be making a certain amount of money and, and it wasn't fair that the boss was making more money than me. Well, that's the mentality of our people today. Folks are coming up. Hey, you owe me these things. You're rich. You don't have to worry about all those things. So just give me $100,000. What for? Absolutely nothing. Just because you deserve it. Because you're alive. That's the mentality of this age that we live in today. That's the mentality of these United States that we're talking about today. Let me tell you something. That's not the mentality of the kingdom of God. If you want to go further in the kingdom of God, honey, you're going to have to work for it. You're going to have to invest your, what we used to call sweat equity in Put that into the things of God and allow yourself to grow in the kingdom of God. Let me tell you, what you work for and what you put your efforts into, it will last you so much longer than what somebody just walks up and hands you. I don't have time to get into all that. All I'm saying is we need to make sure that we put our trust in God just like the Israelites did. Amen. They begin to call out on, unto the Lord. They could have stayed in their shell and said, woe is me. Amen. The whole world's against me. There's no hope. I'm just going to have to settle for this nasty living life that, that I don't even like to be here. And guess what? When people begin to dwell on those things, that's when suicide begins to enter the picture. Amen. Because they begin to go down this trail of man. My, my life is worthless. And the next thing they go through, and, and you, you understand the pro progress of that situation. Let me tell you, that's the ploy of the enemy. He wants to do his best, amen, to destroy as many lives as he possibly can. Because if he knows he can destroy them, he knows he's got more that can reside with him in the place that was made for him. Amen. But let me tell you, I'm not here just to go through the motions of life. I'm not here, Brother Tuffy, just to say, hey, thank God he filled me with the Holy Ghost. But no, he didn't just fill me with the Holy Ghost so I could make it to heaven. He filled me with the Holy Ghost so I can reach out to somebody else and say, hey, let me tell you what Jesus did for me. Why don't you let Jesus do the same thing for you? Amen. He gave me power to be a witness to those that are around me. But if I'm so focused on my own situation and I'm victimized and I have a a spirit of defeat all I can focus on is who I am and what's going on in my life and how in the world am I going to make it tomorrow whereas if I can put my hope in Jesus everything's going to be alright there's a power in perspective my friend there's a power in how you see things in the kingdom in your life every day when you wake up you ought to be able to look up towards heaven and say thank you Lord for waking me up another day amen for this is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it hallelujah our perspective our perspective can greatly influence our emotional and our spiritual state amen uh, Genesis chapter number 50 and verse number 20 says, but as for you, uh, you thought evil against me. Amen, this is, this is Joseph. Uh, amen, he could have been bitter, but this was his perspective at, at the end of it. Genesis 50 and 20, but as for you, he told his brothers, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good uh, to bring to pass as it is this day uh, to save much 
people alive. I wonder what would have happened if Joseph had not listened and put his trust in God throughout all of his situation. He was lied on. He was put in prison falsely. He was thrown in a pit. Amen. He was going to be left there for dead. But his brother said, hey, I can't do that. I'm going to sell him into slavery. And he was lied about again. Amen. Let me tell you, I don't like that situation. I'm sure Joseph didn't like that situation. But he said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm counting God faithful. I think two or three times in that story, you can see where, and Joe, and, and Joe, oh my goodness, and Joseph, Joseph counted God faithful. He counted God faithful. That he could look at his brothers and say, hey, I know you didn't like me, and I know you wanted to destroy me for everything I was worth. But God saw something different. Hallelujah. Philippians 1 and 12 says this. But I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. He's in prison, my friends. Amen. So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all of the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds and are much more bold to speak the word without fear. This is the apostle Paul telling the church at Philippi, hey, I know I'm in prison, but I'm in the perfect will of God. I could become a victim, amen, of my circumstance. I could become defeated because I'm in a place of despair. But let me tell you, my brothers and sisters, amen, the apostle Paul said, no, I'm going to do what I can to reach into the palace and begin to testify of the goodness of God to the those that are there, the servants, the soldiers. I'm going to testify to the goodness of God. Amen. The apostle Paul found his purpose in his imprisonment, sharing the gospel with guards and fellow prisoners. And they began to, and, and in fact, I began to do a study on, on the, 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 the furtherance of the gospel. And, and uh, it is historical. Um, Supposition that 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 it was the Roman soldiers who carried the gospel from the time of Paul on into the future. I don't have time to break that down for you this morning, but you can find it out there. There's several there's several studies, there's several videos, documentaries about uh, and, and archaeological finds that that kind of support this idea and theology of of how this happened. Why was it done this way? Because the Apostle Paul was not afraid to tell his, his, his captors, hey, this is what God can do for you because this is what God did for me. Amen. Praise God. We could keep going and we could keep talking. You got, you got David and Goliath. David, David heard, just like everybody else, heard the call of Goliath. Amen. David could have been a coward just like everybody else and go and hide. But David, as a 16, 17-year-old boy, he's hearing the voice of this giant that's over there. Amen. He's not a very big fella, but all he has, all he has to say was within himself, hey, guess what? Hey, there is a cause right here and right now. I've got to go take care of this problem. 
Amen. I'm not going to stand for people, amen, or things uh, to rise up against the people of God. Amen. And I, there is a cause for me to reach out. Uh, amen. And so they took David down to King Saul and he began to talk with King Saul. And uh, let me tell you, the reason I know David had such confidence was because David had experienced something that was building his faith from day to day. And he had already encountered a couple of, uh, of enemies that should have made him fall back and say, hey, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to deal with that. Amen. I, 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 that, sheep, that sheep's just lost. I'm just going to let it go. He could have done that. That's what some of us would have done. Hey, it's not worth the fight. I'm not going to put my life in danger for just one measly little lamb. But no, that wasn't David's idea. He told King Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there, was, there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and I smote him and I delivered him out of the house. I delivered it out of his mouth and when he arose against me, I caught him by, my, by his beard and I smote him and I slew him. The servant slew both the lion and the bear and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them. These guys didn't understand. David had an experience that they couldn't argue with. A boy, not very, not very tall in stature, but yet, had the faith in God to stand up against this impossible situation and God used him in a mighty way. Your perspective, amen, begins to be formed by what you allow your mind to dwell upon. Amen. If you allow your mind to, build up, to dwell upon defeat and, and despair, then you're going to be in defeat and despair. But if you allow your mind to be wrapped around the victory, the victorious nature of God and his power, then you have the ability, amen, to overcome anything that comes in your life. Amen. We've got to be able to do what David did. We've got to be able to embrace the promises of God. Amen. What are those promises? Romans 8 and 28. I'm, I'm quickly coming to a close. Sister Reagan, if you can come. Amen. Embracing his promises. Romans 8 and 28. And we know. Everybody say we know. Everybody say we know. That all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are called according to his purpose. Hmm. His purpose. His purpose. Not mine. No, I, I, saw, I saw a preacher on, on, a reel of a preacher and he got up and he told a whole massive congregation, he said the world likes to take the word of God and they like to take little excerpts out of it. And there's a massive beautiful promise right here, but the world takes it and says, hey, this is my promise. But then you ask them, hey, are you devoted to God? Are you walking according to his purpose? I'm doing my best. But those that aren't, they're not going to get this promise. Am I, am I reading it wrong? It's according to those who are the called, according to his purpose. I'm walking in his purpose. And as long as I'm pursuing him, Brother Tuffy, I may not have made a complete, actual, I haven't, I haven't fulfilled his purpose completely. <laughs> but as long as I'm pursuing him. I'm one of the called. I'm responding. My eyes are upon Jesus. Isaiah says, Isaiah 41 and 10 says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. 
Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. That's a promise from God. I got a promise, Brother Tuffy. He's going to help me. I don't have to be a victim. I don't have to live in defeat. I don't have to live in despair because I know that my God loves me so much that he's holding me with his right hand. His right hand signifies his power, his strength. I'm in his right hand. In Hebrews chapter 6, verses 17 through 19 says this, wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability or the unchangeableness of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable or two unchangeable things, it was impossible for God to lie. We might have a strong consolation who have fled from for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Which hope? The hope we have in his anchor as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast which entereth into that within the veil. There's two unchangeable things that testify to the fact that God cannot lie. The fact that he loves me and he's given me hope. It comes from his promise and his oath, which he fulfilled on Calvary for each and every one of us. God's purpose and his promise are unchangeable and they are to be used as an anchor of hope for the soul. Before I close, I heard this little parable, little story about two farmers. The promise of rain was given the declaration of rain was, was given to these farmers. and It had been a dry season. And these farmers had done very little because they expected no rain. But all of a sudden, Brother Tuffy, somebody came and gave them a hope of rain. We have two farmers. One of them said, what's the likelihood that it's even going to rain? And he did nothing. But the second one acted on the faith that rain was coming. And he went and he plowed and he made sure his field was ready and it had seed that could grow. And we all know tonight that the one that really believed that rain was coming was the farmer who acted on it. Closing with this. Closing with this question to you. And I want you to ask yourself wholeheartedly. God's promised rain to this church. God's promised revival. God's made some promises in your lives. Let me ask you, which farmer are you? Which farmer are you? You don't have to tell me.
because your actions and your life will be able to tell, bear witness of what you believe, what God's going to do. There's revival in the air. There's life-changing power in our life. Let me tell you, maybe I'm the only one that had these thoughts, okay? So just bear with me. But it never ceases to amaze me. Every time that we have some kind of event or we have some kind of deal where we're reaching into the community to work with folks and reach for folks, every time it has not yet, it has not yet not happened. But every single time that we do major outreach pushes for the Mendez, we have a very small amount of folks show up at church the next Sunday, the very next day. It's happened every time. Am I mad about it? Am I upset about it? No, Brother Tucker. Because I know what the enemy's doing. He's doing his best to discourage us this morning. And he wants us to live in despair, saying, man, my little, my little measly efforts aren't worth anything. You see, I went out and I put in effort. Let me ask you something. Every time that the, the, that the uh, farmer went out and put seed in the ground, did he come out the next morning and say, hey, where's, where's the plant? No. It takes a few weeks before you start seeing something begin to show up on the surface. Sometimes longer, depending on what it, what it is you're, you're planting. I'm not satisfied. I'll, I will not be satisfied with just a, 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 a surface level type of revival, folks. I don't want an Asbury revival. You guys are all looking at me like, what's wrong with you? Let me ask you, when's the last time you heard about Asbury revival? It's been a while, hasn't it? I want to have revival that is never stopping. Ezekiel talked about it. I believe it's Ezekiel chapter 37. I may be wrong on the chapter, but he talked about the water that flowed over the threshold of the house of the Lord. And as he began to follow that river, <laughs> wherever that river went, what happened? And there was results of it. Everywhere the river touched, there was life. Trees were growing. The fish in the dead pools were coming back to life. Am I making it up, Brother Tuffy? No. You know what that river is? You know what that river signifies? It took me a long time, actually, to unpack all of this. But, but I began to study that passage of Scripture. I believe God showed Ezekiel that river that Jesus talked about flowing out of our bellies. <laughs> it's living water. It's living. It brings life, Sister Rini, to everything that it touches. But I can't have living water if I'm living in despair and in death. I can't do it. But I've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost, Brother Tuffy. I've got to have the power of the Spirit of God living on the inside, allowing that river.
river to bubble up out of my soul that it can go across the threshold of my heart out into this world. And when I walk by, the rivers of living water begin to brush up against somebody. And they say, hey, what, what do you have? What's going on? Hey, man, I feel something I've never felt before. Let me tell you, that's the will of God. And I can tell you this, it will not cease. Hey, man, when God begins to flow and the real, the real rivers of water begin to flow. Now, I will say this. There are still some rivers flowing from what happened at Asbury. Amen. There, I, 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 I actually got to listen to Brother Fish talk about it the other day, and, and, and he's still teaching Bible studies to people out of there. They found churches for these folks, amen, that are teaching truth. I'm thankful for that. There is still water flowing, but it's not happening at that place. Amen. Because when people get stirred up, God begins to move, and God begins to work, and God begins to have his way. This morning, I know it's a different kind of message that I've taught in a while, but I want to know, are you willing to tell God, hey, I want to be the farmer that got prepared, because when that rain comes, I want to be ready. I want to be set up. I want, to, I want to see the results of the rain coming. And I want to see the growth of the plants and the efforts that I put into the kingdom of God. Amen. If, if that's how you feel this morning, can you stand to your feet? Can you lift your voice and your hands to the Lord and just begin to let him know, God, here I am today. <laughs> oh, God, I want to give you my everything today. <laughs> Jesus, I want to prepare the fields of my life to be able to receive the rains of glory that come on into my life. God, I refuse to focus on the things that uh, I cannot control and I can put those in your hands 